morning show. Frank Cunning, Ailish for Far here. Always love jumping in on a Friday. It's the best day. Well, I mean, I got, you know, tomorrow's a work day. So, like. But all you do is golf. Well, no, I got, they're, they're actually, can you believe this? They're going to put me in the salt mines. They're going to make me do more radio after golf show it's tomorrow. Crazy. So, me and Jesse Rubinoff, uh, we'll have you covered Rubes. radio magic. Yeah, a lot of, lot of him lately. I love yeah, that. Yeah, he's love killing that. it. Uh, do we have Michael Grange? Are we endeavoring we to connect? We have a head nod. We have a head nod, which means we have Michael Grange. Very, very happy to chat with him. Been, I think, a thousand years since I've spoke to him. <laughs> uh, Michael Grange, Sportsnet NBA columnist and insider joining us now. Grange, I was at one of your favorite places in the world yesterday, TPC Toronto. I just know that makes oh, you happy, oh, it- so I want to put you in a good headspace <laughs> to start this interview. I'm very happy because uh, I'll be there hopefully in a few hours. So. Okay. There we go. Look I for his you, unfilled Did you play all 54? Uh, no, I did not. Just uh, just the hoot yesterday. I have played all three in uh, various I, it, it was the day before, I think. They did, yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they had their uh, get everybody out there, play all three courses. I'm uh, also available every day at 9.01 a.m. I just go home <laughs> and sit around waiting for the call. So, you know, if, you, if you're looking for someone, folks. All right. Uh, right. So Ailish has invited herself to both our games there, yep, Grange. No uh, one, one day we will have to uh, tee it up <laughs> together. And they were saying good things about you there yesterday. So you're, you're a popular man. Uh, we should probably talk about the Raptors. Grady Dick. Uh, what a name. What a character. Apparently, what a shooter. Mm. What do you make? Uh, open-ended question. Your thoughts on the Raptors selection at 13 last night? Well, I spent about uh, 10 minutes giggling at all the possible <laughs> Matt Devlin challenges. Yes. Oh, it's it's Eric, Eric Smith was there. He was. He was. Eric Smith was. He was. Uh, he was really worried. He's really worried. <laughs> but um, but I, as a as a more mature presence, I'm over it. So I just call him Grady. And um, and no, I think it's a great pick. I think um, you know you're always you know you're always trying to take the best player available. You know, drafting for need is never considered to be all that great an idea because your needs change so often, but you always need shooting in the NBA and this team, uh, as we've seen the last couple of years, for sure, uh, desperately needed some shooting. And so I think um, there's a couple of guys who moved up in the draft, you know, to the surprise of some, I guess. And so, uh, you know, I think when, when Grady was there at uh, 13, it just worked out perfectly. And, um, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, he's 19, you know, he's, he's a skinny dude, but he's, he's a very athletic guy at six, eight and, um, you know, pretty versatile skill set overall. So how soon, you know, he can affect an NBA game, NBA game, who knows, but, uh, you know, I think he's, he's probably going to look like a guy who's going to have a good, really good career. Yeah. So clearly, uh, uh, fills a void that the Raptors were looking for and, you know, sometimes it's a nice fit, best available, best need, and maybe that's where uh, Grady went to. But we're hearing a lot about the shooting, the shooting, the shooting, you know, but there are other skill sets. And for you, what are those that need to be improved in the next offseason and moving forward to have an impactful NBA career? Maybe defense is something I've been hearing a little bit about. Yeah, I mean, that gets brought up. Um, he's pretty slender, um, you know, and <clears> – <throat> Like he, I guess, profiles a little bit as a guy who's going to struggle defending against, you know, really strong athletic guys, fast guys. But, you know, let's be honest, most guys do, right? <laughs> There's only a handful of guys who really are, are truly plus defensively. And so, um, you know, you can get by in this league as a team defender who really knows their schemes. And especially at 6'8", you can kind of, you can be a presence. And, um, 
you know, you can figure it out, right? And how bad do you want to be at how, how hard do you want to compete? And, and there's a lot of guys who, you know, maybe in terms of measurables don't, you know, you can say, well, how are they going to manage and evade, you know, manage defensively? Um, but, you know, if they really put their mind to it, they can at least hold their own. And that's, that's, that's all you need. And, um, and I think otherwise, right, like he's, he's not just a catch-and-shoot guy at all. Like he, you know, the, the one thing that jumped out to me was he led the NCA last year in three-pointers three made off the dribble in terms of percentage. He shot 54% on threes off the dribble, which is amazing. Um, you know, it was, it was better than he, he shot on, on uh, you know, catch-and-shoot threes. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's gonna, he has a little bit of that Clay Thompson to him. Like he really knows how to move off the ball. Um, if you overplay, he's going to cut and burn you that way. He can finish, you know, he can finish above the rim. Um, you know, and, and I think the other thing too is, is, you know, if you haven't been following college basketball or anything, like, you know, he may not be a guy you're super familiar with, but he's been like in his age group, he's been like a stud for his whole career, right? Like he was on team USA, U16, U19. He was the, you know, high school player of the year, um, you know, in his last year of high school. So, um, you know, he went to Kansas, right, which is like a big deal. So, um, you know, he's accustomed to playing against the best players. He's accustomed to being the guy that everyone's trying to do something about. And, uh, you know, most of the time no one can. Yeah, I think the the pedigree is an important thing to highlight there. I think it does put in perspective for for a lot of people, and you know, especially Kansas being a blue blood pro- program, I think that in and of itself just kind of tips tips where he's at to to a lot of people. You know, one thing I look at with this Raptors team, and when we go back to kind of the you know the golden era of Raptors, and I think you can lump the obviously the title season is the absolute pinnacle of it, but you can lump the DeRozan Lowry era in there as well into you know what we saw coming out of the title. Such a big part of it was player development and being able to turn a guy who's maybe your 10th or ninth man into something more than that, or, you know, turning Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet into starters and, and all-stars. How important is it for them to get back to some semblance of that? Because, you know, you look at the Malachi Flynn's of the world, and I know that's just one guy to, to pick on, but we could do the same thing with Delano Banton. And it just feels like you've been waiting for one of those guys to hit. You don't need all of them to, but you need one or two to kind of come through and provide you something more than, than what you expect for this team to kind of take a leap what do you make of the kind of lack of development that that's been happening late lately with this team compared to the guys they were they were kind of pumping out during that title season and, and just before and after yeah well i mean first of all you're you're absolutely right um you know they had a five-year run where it seemed like every player that came into their system no matter where they were drafted or drafted at all uh ended up being you know either an all-nba player or uh, all, you know, like you, you just go from, you know, really from Norm Powell, I think, in 2015 to um, to OG Ananobi, I guess, in probably 2017. Like that three-year run was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, why hasn't it replicated? I mean, part of it is, you know, the a couple of years they didn't even have first-round picks. Um, a couple of years their picks were even more like, you know, they. Okay, Flynn was like 29th. So they were really picking at the very bottom, if a picking at all. So that does make it tough. And there is a, psych, a cyclical nature to all that stuff. Like, I mean, the process of how they develop guys seems to, to me, you know, they've only invested more. They've, they've seemed to only put more into it. And, and so at some point it is really, 
you know, the players and, and guys just haven't been able to, to realize what talents they do have. I think one reason, one reason, not the reason, but our reason Nick Nurse got fired is, you know, he became so um, wedded to playing, you know, a very short number of people in his rotation that a guy like Malachi Flynn and to an extent to Lionel Banton, you know, they just, when they did get to play, it was like, if they didn't, if they didn't play great, you know, they might not play for another two weeks. And it's just a really, really tough situation to, uh, to develop in. Right. It's, it's, it's really hard. And so I think there's going to be an emphasis on playing a little broader rotation, making sure guys do see the floor on a semi-regular basis, but then it's going to be on them too. Like these guys, you know, um, you know, when they get minutes, when they get a chance, every practice they're at, every um, G League assignment they get, you know, they've got to bust it. And, uh, you know, so hopefully they're looking for guys who can, who can do that. But big picture, yeah, you're, you're dead on. I mean, you saw with Miami how important it is to find players in unexpected places and, you know, and, and help them help you win. Guys who can really, really play. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the next challenge to fill out this puzzle. Would somebody of that caliber be Marquise Noel, who the Raptors uh, grabbed uh, after the draft, a two-way contract, and what you know about him? And NCAA kind of tournament hero there with Kansas, um, helping them reach the Elite Eight, uh, a small guy with a bet on yourself mentality. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on Marquise Noel, but, um, you know, he definitely made a name for himself and, and, you know, a guy who can really create for others. And, you know, I think one way you do find value in, in when you kind of go off the board a little bit is to overlook, you know, measurables, right? Like, oh, like, you know, okay. So he's not super tall or he doesn't have, you know, great, you know, great length, whatever the quality might be. He's not incredibly athletic. One of these, you know, there's these reasons that you can always in these tie-breaking scenarios why you're choosing one person or drafting one person and not drafting another. It often comes down to those little things. And so, you know, when you have a guy who can really excel and really change games and yet doesn't somehow have some of these qualities, then it kind of speaks to what qualities they do have. And, you know, like Fred Van Vliet, as I know you're referring to, you know, you, to this day, he just loathes the draft. He just loathes the combine. He just thinks the whole thing is a complete joke. And to some extent, he's correct, right? Because in the, in the end, you're on the floor, and it's how quick you can process. It's how fast you can see a play before others. It's, uh, you know, like really the ultimate thing that makes you fast or slow in sports is your eyes. Mm-hmm. And so if you're seeing things slowly and it doesn't matter how fast you are you never get where you need to be and so um you know and how resilient are you what are your habits like how you know can you manage uh, disappointment and all these qualities do not show up in any context other than um performance and so when you have a guy who can perform who uh who doesn't necessarily have uh you know exactly the you know doesn't look the part then he's probably got uh, he's probably over indexing in some other areas
It is funny, the the parallels, though. If I'm remembering back to Van Vliet's Wichita State team, Ron Baker was, if not a lottery pick, I'm pretty sure a first-round pick. And, of course, Van Vliet goes underrated or undrafted, and then you see what happened there. And uh, now you've got the uh, the teammate getting drafted by the Raps and then signing the uh, the small the small point guard from a school in Kansas. Uh, there are a ton, a ton of parallels. Uh, you know, I asked you about the bottom end of the roster, the development that needs to happen. But let's be honest, this is the NBA. Uh, you're only going to be as good as your best player can take you uh, a lot of time until somebody proves differently Pascal Siakam will continue to be the best player for for this Raptors team uh, there was the report yesterday that he is not interested in talking extension with any team uh, that, that should uh, potentially be trying to to acquire him what do you expect to happen with the the Raptors and Siakam as the end of his contract plays out here could it be extension could it be you know a, a trade how much do those comments that, that we heard from I think it was Chris Haynes uh, change anything in your opinion one way or another yeah I spoke with People, uh, you know, people in Siakam's camp the other day, yesterday as well. And, and all along, you know, it's been very much emphasized. He wants to stay here. He wants to be a Raptor. He wants to sign his extension, play in Toronto. And, you know, and that's significant, right? Like, I mean, you know, the uh, not all players feel that way. And so when you have a guy who is a, an all-NBA player who's, you know, really wants to play his entire career here, you know, you can't just trifle with it. Um, I think the, you know, there was how that stuff kind of, kind of comes out is is before any team is even going to, you know, kind of waste their breath putting together, you know, a trade plan that might target a guy like Siakam. You need to know, uh, you know, how far down this road can we go? Um, you know, if if he's absolutely never wants to play play here, so you know, would he sign here? Is he open to signing extension if he ends up here? And and so there's some of those conversations are very preliminary. It's like, just checking in. What do you think? You know, and then, you know, and I think there was a couple of teams, I think Atlanta being maybe most prominent that were, you know, they really wanted to trade for Pascal Siakam. Um, but, you know, that message gets out there and it really affects how, uh, you know, the appetite of the other team for doing a deal. And conversely, from the Raptors point of view, it's like, well, you know, we're not going to, you know, Clearly, you're not going to play trade a player of his caliber for anything other than pretty significant return. Um, what I think ends up happening, and probably what was going to happen all along, is not probably I say almost certainly all along, is you know you're going to sign Jackson to an extension, and just like you're going to sign Jakob Pertl to a new contract, and hopefully Fred VanVleet, and now probably Gary Trent Jr. Because unless there's um, a real overwhelming reason not to bring the player back unless there's a real overwhelming reason to trade them. You know, you're always best off um, having good players under contract either to help your team now or um, if you need to change direction or want to change direction, you know, all of a sudden this time next year, it's like, well, yeah, Pascal Siakam, you know, you know everything's not worked out. And but you're trading him, and he's got two or three years left on his deal, and it's a you're probably going to have a better a better return. Like you just look at, you know, what happened with Washington. You know, you have Bradley Beal who had a no trade clause. Like you were able to get almost nothing from Kristaps Porzingis. You know, he kind of controlled a little bit the, his trade. You know, because was he going to opt in? Was he going to extend? And it, it does affect the return you can get for the player. 
Talking to Michael Grange, Sportsnet NBA columnist and insider. Um, well, let's stick with the current Raptors or maybe not current. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, what, what's the pulse on where uh, Fred is at looking at at free agency? We've seen some things floated along, um, online about Fred and his current situation. Yeah, I think they've done, you know, Fred's a smart guy. He's got a really smart agency, and I think they've done a really good job of, you know, uh, letting it be known, <laughs> you know, that, that he's a free agent, right? And mm-hmm. and right down to how it all got announced on, you know, on uh, on the NBA Finals broadcast by Woj, right? So that's, you know, that's a good way to get the market, <laughs> that market do frothing it. up. <laughs> and, and, you know, but I think, again, none of – I think the most likely scenario is Fred Van Vliet gets signed by the Raptors and is playing for them next year. doesn't mean it's going to happen. I think mm-hmm. that there's, um, you know, there's definitely been some interest. And, you know, if the Raptors don't come with a significant offer, then, you know, maybe maybe it's easier for Fred to, to go somewhere. But, you know, one thing, and I've said this many times, is Toronto's always done a really smart job of assessing exactly what the market is like for their pending free agents and, you know, understanding really, you know, what scenarios are in play. And I think in the end, in other years when Fred was previously free agent, I can think of at least twice when Kyle Lowry was a free agent, you know, um, those are just off the top of my head. They've, and I think in this instance with Gary Trent Jr. too, they've kind of said, okay, you know, we know what the, we, we have a good feel for what the market really is. We're going to treat our player well. Um, and if you can go and get a deal that, that's more than we we can do, well, more power to you. But, um, you know, in the end, the player typically comes back to Toronto and typically signs a deal that's um, pretty amenable to all sides and uh, and things go on. So just just some quick math here, which I'm I'm terrible at, but it's really just counting. So it should should be okay. Uh, Fred VanVleet back, Pascal Siakam possibly or likely back. You're going to have the entire of the core of this team back. OG back, Trent Jr. back. Are they just in full run it back mode for a team that found themselves with the 13th pick in the NBA draft? I I know the signs for optimism are a new coach, a, a new feel, maybe a slightly new direction for the team. But uh, I don't know how many people are feeling optimistic about a run it back version of the Raptors, even if that includes a guy like Jakob Pertl, which is no guarantee. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, like. I mean, I think there's there's uh, there's an argument against it for sure. Um, I think the argument for it is. You look at how they finished last season, and I think statistically they were a top, you know, top four team in the East based on you know victory margin, defensive performance, uh, you know, point differentials, kinds of things. I think you know when they had Jakob Pertl on the floor, they were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And um, you know, small sample size, competition. You know, you could pick apart all of that, but I think that's what they. You know, I think there's two things that they think are easy fixes or easy distinctions from last year. One is you'll have Jakob Pearl for 82 games, hopefully. Um, two is I think a new coach should kind of freshen the environment, maybe can unlock a few things here or there. And three, I think you won't have a bunch of guys worried about the contracts. Right? <laughs> so. You know, I mean, it's it's nobody really likes to say it, but I think it's it really had an impact last year, where you had, um, you know, basically their entire core outside of um, Scotty Barnes, either playing for a contract or, you know, kind of on the trading block or 
just being discussed in, in terms of their future. And, um, and I think it contributed to, you know, a, a less than connected team. And, um, you know, I, I think if, if all the things you just described happen, that shouldn't be an issue. And I think, you know, when that, kind of, that stuff's all out of the way, you should be able to uh, focus a little bit more on what's, you know, how to win. And, you know, your personnel should be a little bit beefed up. And, you know, like I think there will be a few changes here or there around the margins that should help. And, uh, you know, and, and I think they look at the Eastern Conference and go, you know what, like, you know, I don't think fourth place is impossible, right? And, uh, you know, if anything, what Miami did this year kind of probably emboldens them into kind of doubling down versus, you know, breaking it up and selling for parts. Yeah, uh, I mean, many people have looked foolish uh, chasing eight seeds that uh, that go to the NBA Finals, but we shall see. Uh, Grange, love, love, love the chat with you, and uh, go low today. Hit it well. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. <laughs> there he goes. Michael Grange, uh, always, always love getting him on. And again, you just, if you know a golf guy or gal, just say golf at the beginning of talking to them and just puts them in a good headspace there. And it did. it did. But it was an extra 30%. It was. No doubt about it. Uh, we did get a chance to mention the two Canadians were drafted as well yesterday. Um, Prosper and Miller, uh, 24th and 33rd. So with that, there's been at least one Canadian drafted in the first round in five of the last six years. So I'm, Canadian basketball. I'm so spoiled. I saw that and I went, ugh. What happened to us, the basketball nation? Our first guy's not even a lotto pick. What happened to the Jamal Murray? Jamal An- Murray got a shout-out uh, immediately An- on the podium. Anthony Bennett, we won't talk oh, about that one. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that. Like, uh, right away, they're like, oh, from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, North America, Earth. So I didn't know this. I They had some uh, station in Kitchener called me to talk about everything that was going okay. on in golf. And I was listening. This was around Canadian Open time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this. I thought this was awesome. And, you know, Kitchener, far from a hamlet. City, full Don't blown. Don't mention that. People no, get no. mad. I know, I know. But I thought this was awesome. I didn't know this. They had like watch parties going on yes, for the NBA finals in uh, in Kitchener. So that's really awesome. Sweet. I'm happy Jamal Murray uh, got got his flowers there because you know th- he was one of these guys who you were wondering if he was going to be kind of the lost Canadian guy. Like we've had Wiggins come through. It hasn't gone the way we wanted. We know what happened with Anthony Bennett. R.J. Barrett has hit the slide. Mm. And he had that knee injury. He wasn't able to play it. I want to say the Pan Am Games. It was, it was a while ago. Mm. Now he just had his chances to suit up for Canada and hadn't been able to do so. So awesome that he got his moment, and that only bodes well for us whenever he uh, suits up in the red and white. One thing that Grange mentioned uh, when we were just chatting with him was about how this contract situation might. Might influence the room differently, and we had Gary Trent Senior on yesterday, and he—it's the dad he, show. It, it, it we're all about dads. Here I am. There you go. Um, one of the things that he was really honest about when talking about Gary Trent uh, Junior and his upcoming season ahead was he mentioned uh, quite a few times about the locker room and how there's mm-hmm. a lot of different people playing for themselves, and it's t- tough to walk in there and and be wondering about where I'm going to go next, who's going to trade for me, um, what my contract situation is. So Grange raised a good point there that if you bring these guys back, and whether you like that or not, it will be a different atmosphere. It'll be a different maybe intentional approach to your play because you're locked up and you have a new coach. And I just think that there is there's some validity to that being at least a positive look at how the Raptors could play or, or or approach the game differently last year. But I just thought that Gary Trent's senior interview really aligned with what Michael Grange uh, had to say today. And you can go back and listen to that if you only, didn't get a chance. Only quibble with mm-hmm. that. And I agree with all that. And I think that mm-hmm. will work for most of the guys on this team. Uh, Pascal Siakam, uh, 
unrestricted free agent yeah. following this season. So everybody gets to play free and loose except for the best guy and the guy you <laughs> need to be the best. But other than that, I do agree with what everybody's saying, but mm-hmm. we can't let that uh, escape by. Okay, uh, let's do something to chew on. It's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Wow, you went unscathed. He was so nervous. God. Uh, this show is still young. I we know. might get your young. Look, young, young, young. I just I thought you guys liked your listeners. That's all. That's true. We do care about them and, and about their well being at seven thirty every morning. Um, okay, so this is a things are going really well in Tampa Bay. Of course, the Rays are just having a wonderful season, but behind closed doors, there might be some drama going on. Give it to so me. the Rays benched star shortstop Wander Franco. They benched him mm-hmm. for at least two games due to quote. Not being the best teammate, oh, as Kevin Cash has said. That, that. This is spicy. So he's 22 years old, as we know. He's one of the stars of the league. But he reportedly hasn't handled his frustrations well. And the organization believes he can be a better teammate. So he's been benched, and he won't start some of the series, I believe, tonight moving forward for two games. Uh, oh, sorry, he didn't start yesterday against the Royals. I won't play tonight as well. So eh, interesting because they're having a wonderful season. And I think he's got like a 287 average and he's got an, uh, over an eight, 804 OPS. But, you know, we know there's a young star in our city that's struggling, but haven't heard that he hasn't been a good teammate. You, you know what else Wander Franco has? And good luck telling a guy who has this anything. An 11-year, $182 million dollar contract. It's a, it's, it is, but it's also like... There's a world where this plays out where we discuss mm-hmm. that as poverty wages for him compared to what all mm-hmm. these other guys have got. Like Soto turned down $400 million last year. And obviously different players, they prove more, yes. I understand all that. But it does put things in perspective. Say what you will about Vladdy. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do you see him sulking or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I'm shocked that they're that open about it, but I also think this is what I it's always... It's maybe like a, like a cry for like, buddy, we're putting this in the media. You better figure it out. It, it For sure. It's also something of... It's a four-minute story in Tampa. They just like all these warm weather cities. I'm sorry, they just got better stuff to do. It's guess what? Baseball team's good. We'll care about it. If not, we'll go to the beach or I don't know whatever they're doing. Florida man stuff down down in down in St. Petersburg there. Uh, but yeah, I think it's good that they they stayed it out there. But it's also something that in a you know could you imagine Aaron Boone coming out and Anthony Volpe is not being a good teammate? We're gonna bench mm-hmm. him. Uh, that'd be that'd be doing like Stephen A. Smith would be opining on that. Can you imagine We're, if? we've yes. heard from John Schneider oh. that they were going to bench Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or move him down the lineup even. God we wouldn't, forbid. We wouldn't have even talked about Grady no, Dick today. We wouldn't even know who Grady Dick is no. because we'd be all over what Vladimir Vlad Guerrero Central. Jr.'s like, uh, attitude problem is. So you're right. It is a different market. This is getting a story up here because the Tampa Bay Rays are good at baseball and we have to find any reason we can to cut them down. But <laughs> it's like, haha, you, your star player is, is moody. And they're like, haha, yours. Maybe isn't that good. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been winning the yeah. division since week one, so haha, you guys suck. Uh, but Blue Jays are back in action tonight. They had a nice off day yesterday, um, which is you know a good reset point because they're starting a three-game series against Oakland Athletics tonight. That's at 7 p.m. on Sportsnet, Sportsnet Now, and Sportsnet 590. The fan, and of course, streaming online. Uh, Chris Bassett takes the mound tonight. The Oakland Athletics are... 
were trending at one point to be the worst baseball team to ever uh, play in Major League Baseball. They are now 19 and 58, so they had a little winning streak, but they're still a brutal baseball team. So yes. Jays need to get three wins here, and that's simply stated. Uh, we'll tee that up later in the show, but we got Nick Caprios to join us after the break. He's been writing some stuff about Sheldon Keefe, mm-hmm. even though nobody's really like confirming Sheldon <laughs> Keefe like, in terms of the organization. We know what's going on. So we'll talk to Kipper about that and maybe some of the Larry Tannenbaum MLSE share up Date, which we gave earlier in the show. So Kipper's next. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The JD Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Friday on the Fan Morning Show. Sports at 590 Fan. Brent Gunning filling in for Justin today. And all next week while I'm away... In Nashville at the NHL draft. Ooh, la, la. Ooh, fancy. Yeehaw. All I can think of, I'm sure there's like way more exciting things to do in Nashville. I'm just jealous for the hot chicken. That's what I okay, want. Okay, but we had Greg Wyshynski on yeah. yesterday and he's like, don't eat the hot chicken. Well, it's he like, said eat hot catfish instead. Oh, I'm not going to eat a catfish. Really? I'm totally going to do no, it. I have the palate of a two-year-old. Yeah. I'm not eating a catfish. Your mac and cheese. Eh? Yeah, mac and cheese, chicken tendies. Let's go. <laughs> but the, he said the hot chicken is almost too hot. Like, it makes him sick. Well, but I, I don't mean, need to get, like, what is it? The, you know when you have the hot yeah. peppers on a menu? Yeah. Like, like, one Skull is fine. Mid. Yeah. Yeah. Give me mid. Mid. Mid hot chicken. Mid chicken. Mid chicken. That's what I'll be looking for when I'm down there next year. But, yeah, getting her filling in next week with... Justin, but today, just the two of us and Kipper, <laughs> Coast of Real Kipper and Born. How's it going this morning? Good morning. How are you? Are you on the way to the cottage? What are you doing commuting? I'm on my way back because oh. of the uh, NBA draft and baseball in the afternoon. Uh, I snuck up to uh, Georgian Bay and played in a member's Ooh. guest uh, last two days. How'd you do? Yeah. You know, I was pretty good, but I've got that handicap where you just it's hard to to beat like the real sandbaggers. <laughs> That's me, right? buddy. Yeah. I was out there with your guys yesterday, uh Borny Gordo and and, and Sammy and uh yeah, it was uh, it was quite the group. Uh we we missed you, but I'm glad to hear you were you were swinging it. I really thought I was hoping you were telling me that you had to come back cuz there was like impending leaf news that, you're about that to you break knew. Some news on our <laughs> you were just charging into the city. Uh but apparently none of that's going to going to come. Uh you know, this Sheldon Keefe scuttlebutt, it's continued. Is it weird to you how long it's just kind of floated there? I understand that when they didn't announce it when Shanahan first spoke with Treliving, they probably were never going to have some grand proclamation of Sheldon Keefe is back, but does it almost feel like they're a little sheepish about bringing him back, Kipper, and that's why it's playing out this way? Uh, yeah, I think that's the that's the way it appears, but uh, like, th- there's no question, you know, for certain he's coming back. He's already working on uh, um, filling out his, his coaching staff with Brad Tree living. So that that's gonna get that's gonna get settled. He's gonna get an extension. It's not gonna happen. I think probably to the summertime. And you know, don't draw any more attention to to it than you know the public's already doing it. So um, it's business as usual. That's that's the feeling that they want to give right now. And it's like he he had another year on his contract. Uh, we've never talked about him. Uh, um, being in a position to to lose his job or or, or give people uh, any of that impression, so it's just business as usual for Sheldon Keith and the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
Your latest article at the Toronto Star um, was about Sheldon Keefe and how maybe seeing his, you know, his friend slash boss, Kyle Dubas, walk out the door might be the best thing for him to have a, maybe a new look, like a second time chance to be an NHL coach. Do you mean that more in like terms of, hey, you're not tied to anyone. This is your opportunity to mold and shape this team without having your friend or, or your like com- comrade beside you up in the office? Well, for sure. And, you know, I, I, I took... When I wrote about it, I kind of went back to the, the beginning of the season um, with with Kyle and, uh, or sorry, I should say Sheldon, with mm-hmm. Sheldon now kind of being a little critical of, of the star players and then backtracking that and how that just did ha- had a, just a weird vibe uh, because he wasn't overly critical. He didn't rip them, you know, from head to toe. It was just that uh, they basically needed to be better, and it's as though it's as if you know. I'm I'm sure Kyle was involved in all of that, and we 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 do know from from Kyle Dubas over the years that you know tough love was never part of the equation with him. It was always about make these guys feel secure, make them feel loved, and you know it'll come back to you in spades. And it, it never did for Kyle, and I think I think Sheldon now has an opportunity. Uh, to 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 have a new look without Kyle Dubas, and that's the opportunity he's going to be given. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how Sheldon Keefe not just coaches this team, but how he coaches them through the media. I mean, when I hear you say what you say about Dubas there, I obviously don't disagree with any of it, but how can you not go back to those soft comments coming out of that game in New York at the beginning of the season? And do you think that Keefe will maybe have a little more autonomy to be more direct, to be more public with his criticism of the players? Because, you know, I ask, we I talk to people about this all the time, and that walking back of the comments from Keefe is something that comes up time and time and time again. Do you think he'll maybe have a little more autonomy to be, to be more direct and maybe even more direct publicly with the core? And does, does the fact that the contracts will be, to a certain extent, taken care of play into that as well? Yeah, that's a great question, Gunner. And I, I think time will tell. It's just a matter of now how comfortable Brendan Shanahan is and Brad Tree Living's getting to know him every day. And if there's been a sense of growth and maturity out of Sheldon. Uh, if he can come and have a, a, a more settled look. And I think there's a chance that he will have more freedom and autonomy to, to, to say whatever he wants and how he feels it, if it's presented in a, in a, in a positive manner. But, you know, there's times when Sheldon looked like, you know, he, he, him alone would have like a, almost a, a temper tantrum behind the bench. And you you can see the furnace face going and he's screaming <laughs> at, he's screaming at officials. And there's always been this ongoing thing too on, on, uh, you know, how hard he is on officials when he doesn't get a call or he feels like, you know, the team's, um, you know, not getting the benefit of the doubt on, on certain situations. So, if, if he can settle in now, you know, again, take a next step in his coaching career and one without, again, Kyle Dubas there, um, then, then we might see a different look out of Sheldon Keefe next year. Okay, so a bit quiet in terms of, uh, of like, public uh, announcements from the Maple Leafs in terms of that. But we, we seem to know that that's the direction they're going. But it has been a little bit uh, sleepy since Brad Trey Living took the reins. Do you expect it to be, like, a, an active... Um, 
draft and free agency over the next week because like now now things can happen it's like silly seasons around the corner how active do you think the Maple Leafs will be in terms of some free agents available and some some current players that they need to lock up well I think it's going to be very active Uh, when we see a lot of teams you know 10 12 teams in 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 cap hell uh, (laughs) they're going to have to try to free uh, a few things up and Toronto will be one of maybe eight, ten teams, very active, trying to uh, change a look up a little bit. I'm not sure what degree that the Leafs will be involved with until we get a definitive feel on where these contracts are going. And uh, the, the sense is right now that uh, you know a lot of questions are being asked uh, out of a lot of people. And they're working on answers right now. And, and I think Austin's now in a position where, you know, it's one thing that he can sit there and say, I want 11, 12, $13 million. And then there's another one that says, so tell me about the team in the next few years. Tell me what your plans are. And, uh, and, and who's involved? Um, is, is Willie Nylander going to be on the team? Is, you know, uh, are you going to get a new defenseman? It's almost like you're 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 shopping for a free agency in itself, and uh, I, I think that's what's going on behind the scenes with Austin. Yeah, there's uh, those would all be fair fair questions to ask. Fan Morning Show, Brent Cutting, Avish Forfar here talking to Nick Kiprios, and you know I think when when people look at the state of this team, you know the guy who's in charge now. If you look at what's going on in Calgary, and you know I'm not going to put that all on him. There were players upset because of the coach, but when you look at what's going on in Calgary, it is a mass exodus. I wonder if we can start to maybe draw some lines there. I mean, you know Noah Hannafin is the easy one with him having one year left after this one coming up. Could you see a world where? Uh, uh, Living goes and does a little shopping uh, back at home. Yeah, that's, that's a possibility. But, uh, you know, as far as Noah Hannafin's concerned, I, I, I think we're probably seeing another American player wanting to go back to his country. Um, so I, I don't see, I don't see Hannafin making a lateral move, you know, either East or West in, in, in Canada. Um, but, you know, are, are there other players involved? Could he, want to maybe look at Tyler Toffoli for a little added uh, scoring punch. But then it's, okay, if it's Toffoli in and he's, and he's up around $5 million, is that a substitute for uh, Willie Nylander, who would be commanding close to $10 million? And then is it Toffoli and adding a defenseman and getting rid of Willie Nylander? I mean, that's, that's how you kind of start shaping things up uh, if you're Brad Tree living. Because, again, you know, outside of Kyle Dubas leaving, you know, and I heard you guys talking about the Raptors and, and running it back again, uh, there's going to be a lot of upset people if, if, if it looks awfully like it did last year. Oh, yeah, we can't have that with Raptors and the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jays not feeling like they're gonna make too many big swings, Kipper. So we gotta we gotta start the uh, the conversation that maybe there will be some movement. Uh, I, I, there's been some chatter about T.J. Brody. Um, what's your pulse on on his fit with the Maple Leafs and if like a buyout would be something that they would actually consider? Yeah, to me, uh, the buyout Alish makes zero sense. Crazy. For a guy that's yeah. <laughs> one year on his contract at uh, a fairly reasonable price. And we're not talking about a, a five or six defenseman. We're talking about a top four minute guy. 
And I think it would be uh, real easy for teams to now turn around and say, hey, listen, I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take him off your hands. Uh, you know, here's a third rounder or a fourth rounder. <laughs> it's like, you know, obviously it's not going to be that uh, that low of a, of, of a pick, but there's value in it um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's just he's more it's more realistic to say that you could trade him uh, than it is to buy him out. There's there's tremendous value in DJ Brody still. Yeah, I saw that and couldn't believe it. Also, it's it feels to me like he's the only guy who has to pay for his playoff sins. He's been the most reliable Leaf pretty much since he's came here, and he did have a rough stretch of it in the playoffs at times. But it just seems to be like he was being made to kind of wear the goat horns there when there were yeah. plenty of plenty of places to point the finger. So Kipper, we love you for your hockey acumen. But as you've got later in life, and especially starting this hit by saying you're up in Georgian Bay playing at a member guest, we do love your insight on all things rich guy. Tannenbaum selling some <laughs> shares. Uh, what does this mean possibly for MLSE? We know he has been a broker at times in terms of the two other owners and trying to get them on similar pages. We know he's very involved with the league. Uh, what is going on in rich guy circles with Tannenbaum uh, possibly selling some shares here? <laughs> Nothing more than rich guys getting richer. <laughs> that's um, what Gord told me it. yesterday. I also bugged Stelic about <laughs> this because he's very much in that world as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, there seems to be a sense that there was a clause uh, in his deal um, that, that would trigger something like this. So, you know, if that's the case, so be it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we do know that the principal owners are, are Bell and Rogers and, Right now, it doesn't appear like that's, you know, going to change anytime soon. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's not one single owner. It's not, you know, someone that's out on the forefront, like a, a Bill Foley in, in Vegas, and he's the, the, the newest example of it because they won the Stanley Cup. But, you know, these guys, they're not – they're not heavily involved when it comes to the day-to-day operations. And I don't think it's going to change the look of, of how it's run a- anytime soon because because Larry's now trading in some shares here. So, you know, other than the fact that more people are, are, are getting richer, I, I, it shouldn't affect or, or change the look of, of how the Leafs have been run over the years. So not an exit strategy, just a way to thicken the pockets and get out on the course a bit more like Kipper does. All right. Well, a pleasure as always, uh, Kipper, to chat. Uh, Safe trip up to our beautiful city, and we'll chat with you uh, maybe next week. Always, guys. Thank you. That's Nick Kiprios, former NHL forward, Stanley Cup champ, and co-host of Real Kipper and Born. Not to be pedantic, coming down. He was going up to Georgian Bay, coming down to the six. I was never a geography connoisseur. I, I actually, it's I'm very I am the most directionally challenged person of all time, <laughs> unless I'm in Toronto because I have genu- generally speaking have a pretty good sense of where the where's lake. Where's the subway line? No, where's the lake? <laughs> where's go. the lake? There you the, go. Which way is the lake? And then you know you do your your you know northeast southwest from there, and you move along. But anywhere else, I'd have no clue. But. I knew that. I knew there's lakes up there and there's lakes down there and somewhere in between is our wonderful city. So maybe some uh, some players to pick at from Calgary uh, to Foley. I just don't know. A little if, old. 
if it's the right move. But I like the Kipper said there'll be some action because it's been kind of quiet. And uh, we I don't know if we can have quiet, quiet, quiet in all of our major sports teams. We need something. I hope there's action. I just, I think that they're in a bit of a freeze until they get some certainty on Matthews. And it doesn't sound like that's coming anytime soon. Do you think soon. it's more of a, like, if you were a betting man? Yeah. You think he's more into the, like, we hear of like a three-year extension yeah. and he goes for the full eight? I would love to sit here and tell you that he's going to take the full eight, but why <laughs> would anyone do that other than if they just don't like you and want to lie to you? It's incredibly frustrating that for some reason, the only superstar in this sport uh, who has to maximize his money is the one who is in Toronto and yeah. who, you know, hey, he scored the 60-goal season. But the other thing is that, you know, two guys have done that since. It kind of makes it seem just a touch mm-hmm. less special. And he's going to be worth whatever he ends up getting paid. But the term is what's going to kill him. Uh, this is how you win in this league is having guys who are paid either not above their cap or they outperform it. And Austin Matthews is capable of being a $15, $16 million player in this league, just like McDavid is, just like McKinnon is. But if he gets paid 15, which he's not, but if he gets paid 13, Mm -hmm. that's going to affect what the Leafs are able to do. The other part of that is that whatever he ends up at, and there's no absolute certainty that this player is going to be here, but I imagine he will be, is... How much do you think Mitch Marner's coming under what Austin Matthews yeah. signs at? It's not it's not more than $2 million. I'll nope. tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Nylander, I think, is his own capricious animal. I don't know what's going on in Nylanderland. I don't even know if he cares what's going on in Nylanderland. I've seen some photos of what's going on in Nylanderland. French Open, I saw last. He's just living the European life. He's Willie. It looks like he got an earring, too. That's very on brand. Yeah. Last year it was, or was it two? Was it two years ago when he had the like cornrows and he's eating prosciutto? Oh, yep, I do remember that. That was a great. That was a hot. You know what? He had a hot guy summer. You know what I'm realizing is two guys who they're very different flavors, but we got to get William Nylander and and our man Grady Dick in a room together. There's something I don't know. Grady Dick content to be created. Grady Dick European vacation with with Bill Nylander. I think that they would be. There would be a lot of TikToks being created. There's a lot of blonde hair going on (laughs) there, too. That's true. A lot of flow. Um, All right. We're doing uh, giveaways all week long, and today's our last day of Billy Talent Tickets. So coming to Bud Stage on July 8th with special guest Cypress Hill, the Cancer Bats, and the OBGMs, and we've been giving away tickets all week long. Today's our final giveaway of the week. So to enter, text River Below. To 59590. That's river below to 59590. There is a space between river and below. If you don't win with us, make sure to visit ticketmaster.ca to secure your tickets. River below, Bud Stage, Billy Talent, July 8th. And I teased this this week. I was trying to go for the hat trick mm. of concerts. I successfully have acquired the tickets to Shania Twain tonight. Let's go, girls. Let's go, girls. And uh, our lovely intern, Alan, Al, Alan, is from Timmins. And, oh. And, and there's a little drama wow. with uh, Shania and Timmins, but uh, yeah, I hope I've... that you'll approve of me going to see her tonight. So we, this, I, Al, you know, I've heard glowing reports about yeah. intern Al from, I, you know, I won't reveal my sources. Not you, I will say. Not that you've said bad things, Reddit. but it's elsewhere, okay? <laughs> I've heard wonderful things. And this is super inside Sports mm-hmm. Night 90 the fan Someone who departed us not all that long ago was from Timmins, Maria, great behind-the-scenes mm. person, genuine legend. So if he can live up to half of that, and I, I understand I understand he is well, well on his way to doing so, just a great omen, Al. So I was already thrilled uh, to have you, and I'm even more so now that I know you're from Timmins. There you go. The tornado himself. Yeah, so let's go, girls. I'm going for my 
hat trick of concerts, and then I won't be taking one for another little while. <laughs> I'm trying to think the last time. I would sound very old if I talk about the last concert I went to. You don't remember the last concert you went to? Come on. Uh, I feel like I went to watch... It's hilarious. Uh-oh. I went to watch Method Man, I think, oh uh, at a at like government nightclub, which doesn't even exist oh anymore. Oh my god, government yeah. nightclub! Yeah, there's uh, there's there's more to me than meets wow. the eye. We don't need to get into that, but that just uh, you know, people are like, oh, he loves golf and and Method Man. And apparently, Method there, Man. there you go. There were like there were like it was one of those classic. There's like 15 rappers performing. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe nine of them will make it up on the stage yeah. there, and it was a great night. But yeah, I actually, you go. God, I feel like that's the last one I went to, and I'm old now. There you okay. go. Okay, well, you could go to Billy. I could. Um, Actually, I can't. I'm in Alberta. Wish I could, though. I'm also at a wedding because I'm so mad. I People know I was Billy Talent gal my whole life, and I'm going to miss this one, but I hope somebody gets to go. So River Below at 590-590. we got three guests rounding out our final hour on our Friday. Will Lou will join us after the after the break for the from the Raptors show, of course. We have Bill Merrifield, the dad of Whit Merrifield, who's uh, currently an assistant director at Wake Forest as well, and they were in the uh, College World Series currently, um, and a former bro, pro. A former bro as well, but a pro. Current bro. Current bro, former pro baseball player. And then Jeremy Case, who's got a long history with our newest Raptor in the NCAA. That's all to come on the Fan Morning Show.